This morning in our study of the last two and a half chapters of Luke's gospel, we come now to the actual case against Jesus, the case that was made and that ultimately would lead to his death by execution. Now, if you think about that, today when we have a great trial, a murder trial or or what have you, the court proceedings are recorded. Every word is carefully recorded. Well, today we look at the actual account of the case that is made against Jesus, the 33-year-old accused Galilean from Nazareth. Now, as we begin this morning, I want you to see that the point of the case is not who Jesus is. I want you to see that as we start off very quickly today. I want you to see the, the crux of the case is not who Jesus is, but rather it is who does Jesus claim to be. You see, in any other trial, the case would swirl around the facts of who the defendant is. Who is the defendant? Are they the the guilty person? Are they the responsible party? And the, the, the facts of the case would swirl around who the defendant is. But in this rare case in history, we find that it is centered on not those facts, but rather on who the accused claims to be. And so the question for that day, and really it becomes the question for this day, is this. Who does Jesus claim to be? The question that they're examining in this trial, the question that we are going to look at and answer today is this. Who does Jesus claim to be? Our message today is entitled, No Further Testimony. No Further Testimony. We're in Luke chapter 22. Today we're going to start in verse 63 and we're going to go to the end of the chapter in verse 71. Luke chapter 22, today verses 63 through 71. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reading and really the celebration of God's word, no further testimony. God's word says this. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him and beating him. And they blindfolded him and were asking him, prophesy, who is the one who hit you? And they were saying many other things against him, blaspheming. When it was day, the council of the elders of the people assembled, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council chamber, saying, If you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask a question, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. And they all said, are you the son of God then? And he said to them, yes, I am. Then they said, what further need do we have of testimony? For we have heard it ourselves from his own mouth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, we come today, we're thankful for you, we praise you. We're thankful for a risen, reigning Savior. We're thankful for the forgiveness of our sins. We're thankful for a hope that endures. We're thankful for a peace that outlasts a grave or a cemetery, but that is founded in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, we come now and I pray that you would speak to us in this event. I pray that it would truly be your voice that we would hear today. And I I pray that you would lead us, that you would direct us, that you would guide us. 
Some of us, that, that we would hear the truth of the gospel and, and this might be the day of our salvation. Pray that we would be encouraged, strengthened, renewed. And I pray again that the, the, the word of God would have its full effect today. Lord, we come today and we tell you we do love you. We do worship you. We do exalt you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we move through our verses today. The question for us this morning is this. Again, do you know who Jesus is? And really that's going to be answered in the question, do you know who Jesus claimed to be? A very important question. Do you know who Jesus claimed to be? Now I want to tell you the reality is this. Today there is a lot of false information on both of those. We hear all sorts of things today about who Jesus is and who Jesus was. And, and we hear all sorts of, of really crazy information about what Jesus claimed to be. We hear all kinds of stuff. And yet understand, it is imperative that we as Christians have an answer for both. Who is Jesus? And we're going to see that by looking at the question, who did he claim to be? Now let me give you a truth today. And really, it's going to be a bonus truth. It's going to be free of charge. It's not going to be tied into the sermon. But here's the truth today. Let me give you this truth. Understand this. And boy, it's important for today. If you are worshiping a false idea of Jesus, if you are worshiping a false understanding of Jesus, you are not worshiping Jesus. Now, the world today wants to say, well, isn't close enough good enough? The world today says, well, it has the same language. It sounds very similar. Isn't that going to be good enough? We wouldn't want to offend anybody. But listen to me. Here's the truth. If you are worshiping a false idea of Jesus, if you are worshiping a false understanding of Jesus, you are not worshiping Jesus. You see, Satan doesn't care if you love Jesus. Satan doesn't care if you follow Jesus. Satan doesn't care if you have a, a great faith in Jesus as long as it's the wrong Jesus. And that's why we are committed to, that's why the Bible calls us to be committed to the biblical truth of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus calls himself the truth. Understand, only the truth saves Jesus says only the truth will set you free. And so that is why we are focusing on the biblical truth of Jesus Christ. Only the truth saves. And so the questions are, again, who is Jesus? And we're gonna find our answer by looking at the question, who does Jesus claim to be? That's gonna be our focus today. Who does Jesus claim to be? Let's begin looking at our verses, beginning in verse 63. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him and beating him. Mocking him translates playing with him. They were toying with him. They were making Jesus the object of their fun. And so they are mocking Jesus. He is the, the object of their fun and games. And then the verse says, and beating him. Beating him in the original language translates, listen to this, 
thrashing him. They were thrashing him. If you thrash grain, you, you rough that grain, you shake that grain up, they are thrashing Jesus. And so I want you to understand here in this, in this 63rd verse, this is no light thing. Here is Jesus. He's been arrested. He's there led before them, and they are having fun with Jesus, but they are striking Jesus. They are thrashing our Savior, Jesus. They are beating him. Verse 64 and they blindfolded him and were asking him, saying, Prophesy, who is the one who hits you? The Bible says that they put a veil. It literally translates a veil. They put a blindfold on him and they hit him and they strike him and they say, Tell us who hit you. And they hit him again. Prophesy then. Tell us who just hit you. They're mocking Jesus. Understand, they were really ridiculing the, the claims of who he was. And that's the point to what they're doing here. You're from God? Well, then tell us who hit you. You're, you're some kind of prophet? Tell us, prophesy. Who is it that hit you? Tell us who hit you. They are ridiculing the claims of who Jesus is. Verse 65. And they were saying many other things against him, blaspheming. And they were saying many other things against him, blaspheming. Now don't miss this verse. It's very important. They were saying, listen to this, many other things against him. Now we read that and we, we move through the narrative and we understand what it says here, but I think we, we're missing the scope of what's going on here. They were saying many other things against him. Now what they're saying here, these were just some of the things that they were saying. In fact, it was just one of the things that they were saying. And they were saying many other things against him and the verse says blaspheming. Blaspheming in the Greek, listen to this, translates to speak profanely of a sacred thing. Another translation says to slander Listen very carefully to this translation. To say the opposite of. And so in the original language, it's to speak profanely of a sacred thing. It is to slander and it is to say the opposite of. And so it is this. It is to slander by calling what is good bad. It is to slander by calling what is sacred normal. It is to slander by calling what is holy something profane. And understand, that is exactly what they're doing to Jesus. That is exactly what they're saying of Jesus. They're saying what is good is bad. They're saying what is sacred is just normal. They're saying what is holy is profane. Friends, that has always been the case, and that is still the case. Be sure in 2019 there are still many people saying many things about Jesus. Hasn't changed. There's still a whole lot of people. There's still many people today saying many things about Jesus. The Mormons come along with their, with their neat bicycles and their conservative households, and they say that Jesus is the brother of Satan, of Lucifer, a man who became a god. The Jehovah's Witnesses say that he's Michael the archangel and he's not God. No way is he God. 
The Muslims say that he is a prophet that points to, to Allah and he's not divine. The new ages come along and they say he is some enlightened spirit, a, a goal for you to be enlightened as well. The Hindus say that he is a peace of God or he is one of many gods. Gandhi said he was a great moral teacher, a pattern for us to follow after. Oprah goes on TV and she says that he is one of the many expressions of God, but for sure he's not the only way to God. Friends, today Jesus is called a man, a philosopher, a fable, an improbability, an illusion, a crutch, a weakness, and the creation of ignorant men. Friend, understand today he is no less derided, mocked, ridiculed, slandered, profaned, distorted, denied, blasphemed, and yes, hated. And the words of those wicked men then still echo through warped mouths today and nothing has changed. And they were, we might add, still saying many other things against him, blaspheming. There's a whole lot of words of men saying who Jesus is. There's a whole lot of ideas presented about who Jesus is. And the question still stands, so who is Jesus and what did Jesus claim? Verse 66 when it was day, the council of the elders of the people assembled, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council chamber, saying. Now understand, here in verse 66, this is Jesus before the Sanhedrin. The elders, the scribes, the, the chief priests, this is the ruling council, the Sanhedrin. It was made up of, of 71 men. It was led by the high priest, and they ruled the nation. They had authority over the nation. This Sanhedrin, this ruling council, they had the authority to enforce everything but the death penalty. And so in the affairs of the nation, in the affairs of the people, they could, they could rule on anything. They could decide on anything, and they could enforce any penalty other than the death penalty. Well, the Bible says here, and I want you to kind of feel the picture, as a new day dawns. Now, remember, it was a cool evening. They have a fire there in the courtyard, and they draw around it to, to, to warm up. Well, as, as the sun starts to break, and as the sun starts to come up, and as a new morning on a cool, crisp morning begins to dawn, Jesus is led to their council chamber where they are saying, verse 67, if you are the Christ, tell us. If you are the Christ, tell us. Christ is the Greek version of the Hebrew word Messiah. And so understand these Jewish men, these, these 71 men here in the ruling council, they're saying, if you are the Messiah, Tell us, if you're the Christ, if you're the Messiah, tell us. Now, Messiah translates the anointed one, the marked one, the promised one. Now, I want you to understand this. We can't understand the hugeness of that question. I don't think we can. We, we can't understand the, we really can't fathom the magnitude of that question. Are you the Messiah? Are you the anointed one, the one marked and sent of God? We, we try to understand it. We can't understand the hugeness of that. But listen, 
they knew what they were asking. You see, these were the priests, the holders of God's word. These were the scholars who were proficient in God's word. These were the scribes who who were careful, painfully careful to be pinpoint exact in God's word. And so be sure, be sure and understand this. They knew what they were asking. What they were asking is this. Are you the one? Are you the one? The one sent of God. Are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? They knew what they were asking. Are you the foe of the serpent, the seed of the woman promised in the garden? Are you that one? Are you the promised blessing coming through Abraham, the lamb that God himself will provide? Are you that one? Are you the the promised deliverer that comes as an answer to to the cries of an enslaved people? God's deliverer modeled to us in Moses. They know what they're saying. Are you that one? Are you the host of the Lord's army met by Joshua leading safely across the Jordan River to the promised land? Are you that one? Are you the promised heir of David, the one whose throne will be eternal? There'll not be one that will lack for the seat of the throne in 1 Chronicles. Are you that one? Are you the Savior sent from God, the one named by the prophet Isaiah as wonderful counselor, prince of peace, eternal God? Is that who you are? Are you that one? Are you the righteous branch? The one abandoned by the false shepherds in Jeremiah. Is that the one Jeremiah was talking about? Are you that one? Are you the true shepherd spoken of by the prophet Ezekiel? Are you the ancient of days, eternal God, who will return to judge the world in Daniel? Are you that one? Are you the redeemer who lives and who stand upon the earth in the end days? The one that Job clung to. Is that who you tell us you are? Are you that one? Are you the giver of life to a sinful people pleading, seek me that you may live. Seek me that you may live as we find in the book of Amos. Are you that one? Are you the king born in Bethlehem, least of thee from the clan of Judah? the one that'll go forth and rule in Israel. Are you that one? Micah told us of him. Are you that one? Are you the one whose name, whose very name leads to salvation that Joel told us about? Folks, listen, they knew exactly what they were asking. They were asking, are you that one? Is that who you're referring to? Are you that one? The Messiah of God. Who do you claim to be? Verse continues, but he said to them, if I tell you, you will not believe. Now, in Greek, that is a using here a double negative. We have done a shy away from that in English, but that is a strong statement. In fact, it's a double reinforced statement. I tell you, no matter what, I tell you, you will not believe. We find as we read through the gospel accounts, this was actually his third interrogation. 
just since his arrest there in the garden as he's brought down, he's been interrogated. This is now the third time. And so he says this, if I tell you, you will not believe, verse 68. And if I ask a question, you will not answer. Jesus says, if I ask you questions that would lead you back to me, if I ask you questions, Jesus says, if I lined up all of these scriptures and I went through and I proved them one by one, you still will not answer. Understand this, see, see this, it wasn't about who Jesus was. No, that wasn't the issue. The issue was that he had become too inconvenient for them. He had become too costly for them. The issue, the real issue was they wanted him dead. And so they didn't care who he was. They wanted to know who he claimed to be that they might put him to death. That is the issue. Can you imagine for just a second as they sit there and wait for the answer. These 71 men seated in the place of judgment. I want you to see this picture. Here are these 71 and here they sit in judgment of the creator. Here they sit in judgment of Jesus, the, the son of God. Here they are in their seats of judgment. Here they are in their places of worldly authority. Here they are with worldly honor heaped on them. Here they sit in their high seats. And can you imagine as they wait to hear Jesus' answer? And I imagine they lean forward in their seats and with the, the honor of man and their fancy robes, they sit there in their minds, they're, they're thinking to themselves, say it, say it, we've heard it before, go ahead and say it. Let me say this. The truth of Jesus is still costly. The truth of Jesus, 2019, is still inconvenient. And it's a price that many still do not want to pay. Verse 69. Very tremendous verse. Very awesome verse. Listen to this. I tell you, you will not believe, and if I ask a question, you will not answer. Verse 69. But from now... On, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. This is a, a marvelous, marvelous statement. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. Okay, listen to this. The Son of Man is a clear title for the Messiah. They understood what he's saying. It is a clear title for the Messiah. Jesus quotes, Jesus uses Daniel chapter seven and he paints this awesome picture here. This is what he's doing. He says, the Messiah, the, the son of man, that one. You wanna know about that one? Let me tell you about that one. He says, from now on, he will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. And I understand the picture here. This is the most powerful seat in all of glory. This is the most honored seat in all of heaven. This is the one that's, that's filled with the majestic Son of Man, the Messiah, the King of glory himself fills this seat. And so understand what Jesus says here in his response. Jesus says, as they lean in for his answer, you think that I'm beaten? 
You think that I'm shamed standing here in this pathetic court? You think that I'm powerless today before you? You think that I'm standing here and, and I'm weak as you play games and you, you put a, a blindfold around me and punch me? You think I'm weak? You think that I am dishonored? You think today you have taken my honor? Oh, but listen, the next time you see me, when you've had your way, when you've executed your evil plan, when you've taken your best shot, and when your work is done, you're gonna see me again. But when you see me, you're gonna see the one that Daniel was talking about. You're gonna see the one that, that Isaiah and Joel and Amos were pointing to. You're gonna see the one promised in the garden, the one promised to Abraham and David. And on that day, Hey, listen, you're going to see me, but you're going to see me in glory and you'll know what I claim to be. That's his answer. That's his answer. Did you know that day really happened? There was a day when 71 Jewish men filed by the Messiah, Jesus, Seated in glory. You think you've beaten me? You think you've shamed me? Let me tell you who I am. Verse 70. And they all said, they know what he's saying, are you the son of God then? And he said to them, yes, I am. Now I want you to notice here. Tell us if you're the Christ, verse 67. The Son of Man, verse 69. The Son of God, verse 70. Notice here, there's no mistake who he claims to be. We've used three different titles for the Messiah. Are you the Christ, the Messiah? Or are, are you the Son of Man? Are you the Son of God? All the titles here are used by Luke. It's making it very clear who he claimed to be. And he says this. Yes, I am. There are some that say today, and some of them come by and stand on my porch and say, Jesus never claimed to be God. They come along and they've got a messed up translation of the Bible. They say, you know what? Jesus never claimed to be divine. And they come along and they say, do you love the word of God? This is what they said. Well, we love it too. Let me show you where he never claimed to be the savior. Listen, friend, those are lies from the mouth of Satan. My Lord and my savior, Jesus, when it was asked in the court of the Sanhedrin, he said this, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Let me point this out to you. It's a big deal. Jesus, notice this uses scripture to point out who he was. Did you notice that? Jesus uses scripture to point out who he was. We, be, we better be ready to as well. We, we live in a day when false teachers, and I mean one after another, after another, after another, 
and they've, they've got the airwaves and they've got the internet and they're filling pulpits now. False teacher after false teacher after false teacher are coming along and they are distorting the truth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. They are changing the truth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Some of them are denying the truth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, people are eating it up like candy. Listen, he uses the scripture to tell us who he is. We better be ready as well. Let me tell you something. The church, I believe this, is as biblically illiterate perhaps as any time on the face of the earth. And you can come into a meeting of Christians and you can say, who is Jesus? And we'll say, he's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's my Savior. He's my hope. And we'll say, well, tell us what that means. Tell us how you got there. And they'll have to say to what? We just have to take it by faith. Listen, the scripture tells us who he is. Jesus tells us who he is. We better be like Jesus, ready to give a defense for what we believe. Who is Jesus? Because the word of God tells us who he is. So Jesus himself says, let me tell you what Daniel said. And he uses scripture to point to himself. We better be ready as well. Verse 71. Then they said... What further need do we have of testimony? For we have heard it ourselves from his own mouth. From what I can tell, this is the first true conclusion that they've made. What, what further testimony do we need? What, what need do we have of any more testimony? We have heard it from his own mouth. Sadly, this is what they're going to use to put him to death. What's this mean for us today? What do we take out of this for us today? Friends, listen to me very carefully. Today, we also have the words of Jesus. Jesus said, I am living water, and he who drinks of me will never thirst. Jesus says, I am the bread of life coming down from heaven. He who eats of me shall never hunger. Jesus says, listen, these are his words. He says, I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will enter into my pasture. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Do you believe this? That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, the one that leaves the 99 and goes in search of the one. That's what Jesus says. Listen, Jesus says this, I am the way. Sorry, Oprah, the way. I am the truth, not a version of the truth, not somebody else's truth. I am the truth. Jesus says, I am the life. There is no life outside of me. No one comes to the Father but through me. We have the words of Jesus. What further need do we have of testimony? For we have heard it ourselves from his mouth. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you this morning? Maybe you're sitting here and say, I don't, I don't know who he is. Maybe you're here and you say, you know, I've heard all these different things and all these traditions. I've, I've heard verses in and out of my ears. Let me tell you who Jesus claims to be. Jesus claims to be the Savior sent from God the perfect sinless sacrifice, the Lamb of God who takes our sin and carries them far away. That's who Jesus is. 
Jesus is the propitiation for our sin, the remedy for our sin. Jesus is the one that goes to the cross and he takes the wrath of God and it's poured out upon him and he takes it. That's who Jesus is. Your penalty, my penalty, he takes it. Jesus is the one, they put him in the grave, the, the payment is paid, the, re, the redemption is secure. He's the redeemer. But he's also the one that walks out of the grave and he's alive and he's victorious and he stands as the hope of nations. Who is Jesus to you? Let me tell you the good news of the gospel is this, it still stands today. The Bible tells us all of us are sinners, all of us are sinners. The Bible tells us in our sin we've earned a punishment. That punishment's death, separation from God. Now, we feel that now. We, we sit there and go, you know what? I can't seem to get my life right. And I think if I made enough money, if I got into the right school, if I married the right person, if I made the right decisions, somehow it all come together and we turn a corner and it's not right. And we go a little further and we turn a corner and it doesn't ever get better. And we think, you know what? I'm gonna figure it out. And we don't. We're separated from a living God, a holy God that loves us. And so we get on these treadmills and we start to run and we run faster and faster. I'm gonna find peace, I'm gonna find hope and we never find it. It's because we're separated from a loving, holy God. The good news of the gospel is this, God loves you so much that he sends this Jesus, this Savior, and he comes, he dies, he takes that penalty, that payment upon himself. He settles it in the cross. They put him in a grave. Three days later, he comes out of the grave. He is alive, he is victorious, the payment for sin, my sin and your sin has been paid. The Bible says this, if you believe that in your heart and so you profess it with your mouth, you will be saved. I wanna tell you, that's the good news of the gospel. That's the hope of the gospel is it's offered to you today. You're sitting here and you're sick of your sin and you're sick of the guilt and the condemnation of your sin. You're, you're sick of trying to find hope in things that never pays off. The answer is this, you know what, God, I'm a sinner and I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. I turn from it as you empower me. And today I call you my Lord and my Savior. Listen, if that's not what you've done, if you've never understood that, if you've never done that, listen, do that today. Settle that today. It's not some ceremonial thing. It is by faith in Jesus Christ that we're saved. If you've never done that, do that today. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come, and I'm thankful for the truth of your word. I'm thankful for the truth of my Savior. I'm thankful for the forgiveness of sin. Thankful for the separation from shame that, that was stirred up and born by me but heaped on you. Thankful for new starts, for restoration. Thankful for hope that endures, for peace that lasts. Lord, I pray for some in this room right now that do not have that peace. I pray that today in the preaching, the hearing, of your gospel, that today might be the day of their salvation. I pray for some that are so tired of the, the pain and the hurt and the struggle that, that today they turn it over and they put their faith in you. Lord, I pray that that's the, the result of this day. Pray that any hindrance is removed, that any distraction will be gone. Pray that our pride will be pushed down, that today we would be real with you, Lord. And then I tell you this, Lord, I love you and I praise you and I thank you that you could stand and you could say with integrity, Though I'm here and you're playing games with me, one day I will stand. The Messiah, risen, reigning, ruling, standing in glory. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, we love you, we worship you, and we praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.